It's so great to have you guys here. It's an important night for our country. It's an important night for us. Um, I really believe that um, I really believe that God gave me a message to preach specifically for tonight, and it's been on my heart for a long time. And uh, I had it on my calendar. I just knew that this is what what God was leading me to say tonight. But um, I'm praying that that I would get out of the way. And that God's will would be done. And, and one of two things could happen tonight. One is I could just preach a message. Or the second thing that can happen is that God can change your life. And if you had your choice, I know that you would choose that God would change your life. And that's, that's what I'm praying happens. Because uh, tonight is not about me and this service is not about a person, um, but it's, it is about Jesus. And I want us to just get our hearts right, right now, and I want us to pray one more time before we get into the Word of God. And let's, let's just be good soil tonight. Let's let our hearts be good ground for God to plant His Word in us, because I want God to change my life, and I want God to change your life, and I don't want just to preach another message. That is there's something so much better. But in order for God to change your life, you've got to be ready. You've got to be hungry. You've got to be ready to receive from God. You've got to be teachable. And you've got to be asking God to speak to you. And so let's do that. Pray with me. God, I thank you for tonight. And God, what an important night in our country. We pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. But Lord, no matter what happens... You're our king, and we serve you, and we love you more than anything, more than anyone. You're the most important one to us. It's all about you, Lord. There's no one like you. Thank you so much for your power, for your might, for your goodness and mercy, your unending love for us. It moves us, and it causes us to love you because you loved us so much. And I pray that you would change our lives tonight. Because your word is powerful, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach your word tonight. I'm going to read straight out of your Bible tonight, God, and I ask you to do a work inside each of us. Do a new thing inside each of us. Have your way. We're, we're open. We're ready to receive from you. We're attentive. We're hungry. We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. So tonight I'm talking about the key to all parables. The key to all parables. There's one parable that stands above the rest. There's one parable that Jesus told that is really the key to all the parables and, and the key to all the teachings of Jesus. And so this is one you really want to pay attention to. And it's in Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to read straight out of Mark chapter 4 starting in verse 3. Jesus says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, if you don't know what that is, uh, that is somebody who is planting, like a farmer. Uh, sowing is basically the same thing as planting, planting seeds. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. 
other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, this story is so important, and I'll tell you why. Because we find it in, in the next verse. In, uh, not Actually, we're going to skip down a few verses to verse 13. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So that's what makes this parable unique. That's what makes this parable the key to all parables. Because Jesus says, If you don't understand this parable... How will you understand all the parables? So what is so special about this parable? Well, he goes on to say, the sower, he's explaining what this parable means. He's, he's unpacking this parable. The sower sows the word. He's talking about the word of God, the scripture. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground that... The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they, gave, they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So why is this the key to all parables? Because if we, if we understand this, then our hearts will be good soil to receive what God is trying to teach us. And if our hearts are not good soil... If our hearts are some of this uh, soil, like the first soil, the pathway. You know, a pathway, this is, this is what you would encounter at a farm. The guy's coming out to plant seeds. But a lot of times, at the edge of a field, that's where a farmer will walk. He's not going to walk right on top of his crops. And so, a lot of times, there's a path that's on the edge of the field. Well, this path has been walked on over and over and over. And so, it's packed. And it, it, the dirt has hardened. And so the seeds that fell on the path, the dirt is so hard that the seeds don't sink down into it. And so immediately the birds come and they eat the seed and it's gone. This happened to me one time when I was planting grass seeds in my backyard. I had, this, had some bare spots in my backyard. I went out and uh, you know, I did a little research, uh, YouTube, and went on and you know, learned how to just, you know, plant the right seed and water it and all this stuff. But I'm, I'm looking out my window the next day, and I see all these birds out there, and they're, and they're eating my seed, and they're flying away. And so uh, you, you feel robbed when this happens. Like, hey, I paid good money for that seed. I watched a lot of YouTube videos to make sure that this is going to grow, and these birds are just eating it. It's like a buffet for them, and this isn't fair, you know. But, <clears throat> but this, this, this kind of ground, this is a hardened ground. We have to be careful that our hearts are not hardened. If our hearts are hardened, we're not going to receive the word that God is trying to plant in us. 
This is so important. Now, this happened to the Israelites. The Israelites had hardened hearts. In the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, Moses comes and goes to Pharaoh, let my people go, and the ten plagues happen, and eventually, after a long series of events, the people are let go out of Egypt, they cross over the Red Sea, they go into the wilderness, and they're supposed to get to the promised land. And what should only take them a matter of days to get to, it ended up taking them 40 years. And one of the reasons is because their hearts were hardened. And the writer of Hebrews is talking about this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. And he's kind of quoting this old, this old scripture from Psalm. And it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The rebellion that he's talking about is when the Israelites were in the wilderness. They were trying to get in the promised land, but they, kept, they had a hardened heart. They, they were, I don't know if it, they were bitter because of the past, because they had been in slavery to Egypt for so long, and now that they were set free, they couldn't really receive it. They couldn't be joyful about it. Or was it because in Egypt they had such a good structure? They were slaves in Egypt, and you know Pharaoh, I imagine that he wants his slaves not to have to worry about food, not to have to go out and collect food. He wants his slaves working. All day long. And so they had food. They had water. They had shelter. They were probably taken care of at least consistently. I don't know how well they were taken care of, but it was consistent. And so when they go out into the wilderness, hey, Moses, where, where are we going to drink from? This water is no good. This is bitter water. Or there's no water at all. And they had these hardened hearts. They kept complaining. They complained about, oh, we don't have any food. And they wouldn't trust God. And so... Today, if, let's, let's, let's take that verse and let's apply it to us. Today, if I hear God's voice, Kevin, don't harden your heart. Sometimes God will speak things to you that you don't want to hear. God will try to get you out of your comfort zone. God will try to get you to do things that it's his will, and it's ultimately going to be good for you, but it's very, very uncomfortable. And you might end up looking like a fool. A lot of times, God will put you in a place where you're going to be vulnerable, and you're going to be open to even persecution, to attacks, and are you going to do it, or are you going to harden your heart? A lot of times, when we sin, instead of repenting, instead of having a soft heart, we have a hardened heart, and we don't like to admit when we're wrong, do we? We sin, and... We start to feel convicted about it. We start to feel the Holy Spirit telling us that we need to get right. We need to repent. We need to get this sin out of our lives. And then our flesh rises up. Hold on a second. I didn't do anything wrong. I can justify this. I can explain this. There's a reason why I did this. And it's really not even my fault. It's the way that I was raised. It's the environment that I'm in. You don't understand all the temptation that's around me. You don't understand. I'm the best among all my friends. Look at, look at them and look how bad they are. And I'm better than them. And we try to justify our sin in so many different ways. This is the part of the culture that I live in. This is normal. I'm normal. In fact, I'm better than most people. That is a hardened heart because God is leading us to repent. And here we are trying to justify our sin, trying to basically hide it from God. And it doesn't work. But the other kind of soil that he talks about is the rocky soil. And this 
Because of the rocks, there's a little bit of dirt there, a little bit of good dirt, but the rocks make it shallow dirt. And so the seed gets in there, and it springs up, and it's doing really, really well. And everybody's, everybody's looking at this, this kind of person like, man, they're like, they're on fire for God. I mean, they're sold out. They love Jesus. Man, they just got baptized, or man, they just came into church for the first time, and man, they're learning so much. And, man, they're doing so well. They're passionate about God. And then a few weeks later, where are they? What happened to them? Well, some people, sometimes we aren't patient. We aren't patient enough to let our roots sink down and deep. Because roots take time. And we got to get the rocks out of our soil because the rocks try to speed up the process. And what happens, Jesus explained is, the sun comes out, and this is like persecution or, um, you know, uh, things happen because of our faith in Christ. Maybe people call us out or whatever, but we get scorched because we don't have any, any roots. That's a dangerous place to be in. We need time. I, I encourage you, sink in to Jesus and, and sink into the church. The Bible talks about being planted, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Don't be a church hopper. Don't be like, well, I went to that church for a while, but I I didn't really like their music, so I decided to go to another church. Well, I went to that church for a while, but I didn't really like the people. Somebody wasn't very friendly to me, so I moved on to a different church. That church, I was there for a while, but the preaching just wasn't really doing it for me. wasn't entertaining enough, so I moved on to another church, and allow, you got to be patient. And you've got to be planted somewhere. You've got to allow your roots to sink in deep. Because otherwise, if you don't have any roots, we're going to get scorched, aren't we? The other type of soil is the soil that's, in, that's uh, surrounded by thorns. And this, the, the plant comes up, and it's doing well for a while, but the thorns just kind of slowly wrap around the plant. And it says that they choke it out. And Jesus said that this represents... The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other, other things, worldly things. We can't forget that we are citizens of heaven. And so whatever happens in the election tonight, yeah, we're American citizens, and I'm proud to be an American, or at least I know I'm free. Uh, but we, most of all, are citizens of heaven, aren't we? And that is where our citizenship is, and, and that's going to be, I'm going to be at home in heaven a lot longer than I lived in America, okay? That's where my citizenship is, and so sometimes we forget that, and, and we get so in love with the world. Man, man, I love my stuff. I love my things. I can't wait to get a job where I, I make more money so that I can have better stuff. But the thing is, is we don't get to take any of that stuff with us to heaven, do we? I mean, it's all going to burn up one day. It's all going to rust. It's all just, it's going to disappear. It's going to come to nothing. And how sad is it for those people that enter into eternity and stand before God and their whole life was about earth, was about things that you can accomplish on earth, goals, uh, you know, earthly goals, worldly goals, uh, houses and cars and and boats and, and different things that you know, they accomplished in, in the corporate world. And 
what are we going to do when we stand before God? And if our life is all about that, it's, it's, it's empty. So I want to stand before God with something eternal. And that, that is why I do what I do. That's why I love being in ministry, because I'm, I'm trying to do something that, that's going to make an eternal impact. But the, you guys are in ministry, too. You're called to be a minister. A minister of reconciliation is what the New Testament calls you. Every believer is a minister. And so you, don't, you can be in the corporate world and still be a minister because you're a believer. And believers are ministers. And so, but our, our life has to be more. It, those things, they, they grow up and they, they choke out our spiritual life. And it's like, yeah, you know, I, I really used to be involved and Man, I, I, my church used to do these outreaches, and I loved going out to the neighborhoods, and we would reach out to these kids, and you know, we'd tell them about Jesus, and we'd pray with them, and it was really powerful. But I kind of stopped doing that because I just got so busy. You know, school, work. I just got so busy that I didn't have time for it. Oh, and then, then when I graduated from school, I started my career. And when you first start a career, you really don't have time. I mean... Your, your life is your career. And then I got married. And then, when, man, when I got married, you know, we really just wanted to take that first year and just kind of, you know, not serve in the church or not do anything. I just, we just wanted to take that first year and just be focused on us and just our marriage. And, you know, it's just so great. We just want to learn about each other. And then after just spending a year of just being so focused on each other, what happened? We got pregnant. And we, we had a baby. And then... Then this baby came along, and, you know, we can't go to church. We can't get involved with our, our baby. You know, we gotta, it takes so much of our time, and, you know, we, we just got to be here for the baby. This is the best ministry that we're going to ever have is just raising our kid, and we really can't get involved anywhere else. And, and then as the kid gets older, you know, it's soccer practices and, and, and basketball and grades. you got to do homework. And, and you wake up, and you're 60 years old, and you haven't done anything For the kingdom of God. That is not the life that I see in the red letters that I read. Because Jesus actually talked about pretty intense things. Like, if you want to follow after me, you're going to have to pick up your cross every single day. You know, Jesus said this at a time when they didn't realize he was actually going to die on a cross. And so the cross wasn't this beautiful symbol that we see today. There was nobody with cross necklaces Nobody was wearing those in this day. It's a symbol of death. And he says, take up your cross every single day. The apostle Paul said, I die daily. And so that challenges me. Does that challenge you? That challenges me to make my life about more than just these things that are, are they, are they just slowly growing up? Are they slowly just these thorns wrapping around what God is trying to do? And it's a slow process, isn't it? It sneaks up on you. One day, it's just everything that God's trying to do is just completely choked out because we are so focused on this world. The other thing, the last type of soil is the good soil. The soil that's not cluttered with rocks. It's not in danger of thorns. There's no thorns. It's a, a simple soil. Have we lost the simplicity 
of following Jesus. It's really not very complicated. It's very straightforward. Not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Just the simple soil. And that is what bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all the parables? So God is trying to get through to us. The Bible, from cover to cover, is about God trying to get through to his people. It's about God trying to teach us his ways. And so a lot of times we think, man, I don't know if God ever wants to speak to me. I don't ever hear God. I don't know what God is saying. I, man, God is quiet. He's distant. Well, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you is what the word says. And be good soil. Make sure your heart is good soil, and you're going to receive from God. The best way to become good soil is to humble yourself. We're going to talk about humility for a little bit. Now, this is a verse that you hear a lot around election time, and it's a powerful, powerful verse. 2 Chronicles 7.14. God is saying, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't believe this is just a promise for Israel. I believe this is a promise for us. And I I love my country. It's so important to me. And I believe this scripture. I believe it. And I pray it. But look at the very first part of it. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, right? What is the first thing that he tells us to do? If they'll humble themselves. You see how that's first? Humble yourselves. And and then pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Repent. I will hear from heaven, God says. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That is powerful, but humility, humility is the key. Humility is is what will make our hearts really, really good soil, and that God's word is going to grow. James chapter 4, verse 6, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's one of the only pictures in the Bible where we actually see that God is pushing people away. God opposes the proud. He resists the proud, the prideful ones. But to the humble, he gives grace. Now, let's not confuse grace with mercy. We do that a lot because we hear people say, well, you know, like your teacher in school, uh, your your, your homework is late, but I'm going to give you grace on this one. Well, probably what the teacher really meant was mercy. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you another chance at this. But God's grace is different. God's grace is basically God's ability, God's power, how he he empowers us. You know, it was God's love and his mercy that sent Jesus to the cross. But the ability for Jesus to be the spotless lamb and to die on the cross, that's God's grace. That's his, his ability to do what our ability can't do. So grace is Getting something that we don't deserve, while mercy is not getting something that we do deserve. Does that make sense? So mercy is when we deserve to be punished, but the punishment is completely taken away. And like, you know what? The, the, 
officer gives you a warning. I'm going to let you off with a warning. That's just complete mercy. You know, but grace is when the officer says, well, you can't get out of this ticket. It's got to be paid. But I'll tell you what, I love you, and I'm going to pay this ticket for you. And his ability to pay that ticket is grace. So there's a big difference there. So let's go back to that. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We want, we want God's grace. We want God's ability. We, we need God's grace. We're not going to make it without God's grace. Some of us are living without God's grace, and it's really, really hard. It's like striving. It's like being on a treadmill. We're, not, we're, doing, we're running hard, but we're not really getting anywhere. Let's look at pride, for example. Pride can be defined as arrogance, conceit, vanity, stubbornness, self-reliance, or to elevate yourself. That's what pride is. Pride is the ultimate dependence on yourself. Uh, We're prideful when we think that we don't need God. And you and I might think, well, I would never say that. I would never say that I don't need God, but we don't have to because our actions tell that story. Our actions speak louder than words, and sometimes our actions say, I don't need God. You know, if, if, you, if you lie to get out of trouble, well, that's really just you not trusting God that he's going to take care of you. If you steal something out of store, that's, that's you not trusting that God's going to provide for you. You're going to make it happen on your own. That's, that's pride. I'm going to take my life. I'm going to take my provision. I'm going to take everything into my own hands. I don't need God. I can handle myself. There's so many people that are just turned on God because they don't want to admit that they need him. That's humility, is when we, when we acknowledge our great need for God. <clears throat> we're prideful when we're entitled, when we think that we deserve something that we haven't earned. We're prideful when we don't ask for help, when we don't ask God for help, when we don't ask people for help. You ever, like, really need some help and... You don't want to ask anybody? Why don't you want to ask anybody? Because you'll look bad. Your pride will be wounded. That's pride. But when you're really, really on rock bottom and you're really desperate, I need help. I mean, I've been there before. There's been so many times, there's been a lot of times where I, I didn't want to ask for help because I didn't want to look bad. But then there's been other times. I, mean, I remember early on when I was first married and I just ran out of money. We were broke. I had to call my dad, just ask for money for groceries. And that was a very humbling experience, but I had to do it or else I wouldn't have eaten that week. They're very, very humbling. My pride was wounded, but it was worth it because he gave me some money. Humility. Humility can be defined as meekness, the attitude of putting others first, including God, putting God first. A modest opinion of yourself. Humility is meekness, not weakness. It's not weak to be humble because Jesus was humble. He said, I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart. In the Old Testament prophecies describe him, they describe him as a, a man of no reputation. A man that you wouldn't, you would, wouldn't recognize as a, you know, a celebrity or a star. It didn't look like that. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Jesus was humble. He took the form of a bondservant. So here's a a quote from C.S. Lewis about humility. It says, 
this is talking about a person that is trying to be humble. Uh, he will, uh, a person who is humble. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. So, if you're listening to me talk tonight and you're thinking, I don't really think that I'm dealing with pride. I don't think I have any pride in my life. You've got a lot of pride in your life. Because we all deal with pride. And pride is not one of those things like, oh yeah, there was a season of my life where I really struggled with pride. Our life is a constant battle between pride versus humility. And our pride is not just about arrogance. Uh, not, you know, when you think of somebody who's arrogant and somebody who's really cocky, that's, that's pride. But pride is also just, I can do this myself. I don't need you. I don't want you in my life. I don't want to admit that I'm weak. I, I, in fact, I'm going to just be by myself. I don't need anybody else. And a lot of people think that that's some sort of strength, but it's really not. It's not strong at all to be a loner. Relationships require a lot more work. Remember my first time being a, uh, a leader, and I was in this internship program, and I, I was not like a natural-born leader, not ever picked to be a leader. But I, I knew that God had called me to do big things, and I, uh, I, I put in an application to be a leader on this mission trip to Mexico. And for some reason, they said, yeah, we want you to be one of the leaders. And so I was so nervous about messing it all up and so nervous about saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. And I really didn't have any experience. I had been on one mission trip just as a participant, but never a leader, never led anything in my life. But I, I was so worried about it. I just prayed a lot. I prayed really, really hard. And I asked for God's help. And really, I just humbled myself. I mean, I was not arrogant in any way. I can guarantee you that because I knew that if it were up to me, I would just screw this thing up and it would be a fail. And so I, I was hungry for God to intervene. And God, I need your help with this. And you know what happened? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And God gave me his grace because at that time in my life, I humbled myself, and I asked God to show up, and God showed up big time, and God gave me the words to speak to the team, and he gave me the ability to lead the team, and I, I thought of things that I never thought of, and, and I was just running all around. I was trying to take care of people and trying to give people the best missions experience they could ever have, and it was great, and so many people came up after me and, and after the trip and like, man, thank you so much. You made an impact on my life. Thank you for what you've done, man. You were the best leader, and I was so grateful for you. And uh, I'm just thinking, you guys have no idea. That was all God, because without him, I would have fallen flat on my face. It would have been a joke. Now, fast forward five or six years from then, and I got a lot more experience now. I've been a leader for a while. Uh, I've got so much experience that I can kind of lean on that experience. And there was a time when I got prideful and I stopped seeking God and I stopped being so desperate for God and I stopped asking for his help and I experienced failures. I experienced just a number of failures and I can look back now 
and see my heart wasn't right. I had become prideful. I was too too reliant on myself. I had gained some experience, and so that ability is what I leaned on instead of leaning on the Lord and asking God to show up and do what only he can do. And so it was just serving in a human form, and it was just such a little impact. There was people that I couldn't get along with, and I was just in strife, and I was just in confusion, and had experienced a number of failures, and man, I had to humble myself. And God was really resisting me, and it just wasn't working. Nothing was working out right. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, When I first became one of the youth pastors here, junior high youth pastor here, I had sensed God was making a change, and I really needed a new season in my life, so I came here, was a junior high youth pastor, and I, uh, we had this thing that we do in Sunday morning service where the pastor would call the, the other pastors on staff forward, and they had like a bottle of anointing oil, and you would dip your hand in the anointing oil, and when people would come forward for prayer, you would like anoint them with oil and pray for them, and so my first Sunday, because I was normally doing junior high service on Sunday mornings, once a month I would come into main service. And on my first Sunday, <clears throat> I'm thinking, all right, like I'm 25 years old. I'm finally a youth pastor. Like this is kind of a big deal here. Like I'm going to go forward and I get to pray with people. I get to stand in front with all those other pastors in front of the church. Everybody gets to see me. Like, okay, this is kind of a big deal here. So, uh, the at the time of the service, or Pastor Fred calls the pastors down and stand up, you know, and walk down the aisle. And as I get in front of the aisle, uh, Larry Evanoff, who's the administrator here, is one of our elders, uh, he, he just like stepped right in front of me and wiped oil on my head and just began to pray for me. And I, I like, here I am, I'm coming forward to pray for people, and I end up getting prayed for. And he's like, praise for me. He's like, in Jesus' name, amen. And I just, you know, turned around and went right back to my seat. You know, that was, I can't, you know, that was it. There was, there was no recovery from it. So I go back to my seat, and Christina is there, and she's like, maybe you'll do better next time. So, so the next month comes around. See, God has a way of humbling us. It's so good. It's better to humble yourself than to be humbled but God has a way of humbling us, and he has a sense of humor. So the next month, this, you know, the same scenario, and like, okay, it's going to go better this time, you know. And uh, the pastor calls everybody forward, and so I, I see where Larry is, and I make sure to go the other way this time. And, and I get up there, and uh, they have the, the anointing bottle there. And, and I kind of got up there a little bit late, and I didn't see how everybody, like, got the oil on their hands. Like, this big bottle of oil... And I didn't watch like anybody else, like how, how, did, they, how did they dip it or, or did they pour it on their hands or what happened? How much oil do you get on your hands? And I'm nervous and I, somebody hands me the bottle and again, I hadn't seen what, I hadn't seen what they did. So I'm just like, you know, and I, I'm kind of nervous. I'm like shaking with this bottle of oil, you know, and like pouring it out and like so much oil comes out, pours all over my hand and I had to like you know, almost drop the, the bottle and like cup it with both hands. I had so much oil and like what else can you do at that point? I just start lathering all my hands up and covering it with oil. I got to spread it out, right? Or else it's going to, and some of it did drip all over the carpet and the stains on the carpet and I'm so embarrassed and like 
praying for people come forward, like, you're like all over them, and it's just running around, and seriously, I'm praying and so distracted because I prayed for this lady, and I could see a drip of oil like coming down, <laughs> true, this is a true story, and I'm like, oh man, what a disaster, but God has a way of humbling you, and I, then we went into a time of worship, and uh, we're worshiping, and I finally get back to my seat, and Christina's like, what happened? She goes, I saw you during the worship at the end. You had your hands raised, and in the stage lights, your hands are like glowing with this oil. And I said, oh, yeah, it was a disaster. I don't want to talk about it. And she was like, maybe you'll do better next time. And eventually, I got it figured out, but God has a way of humbling us. It's so, it's so much better to humble yourself. And, and this will happen, you know. In uh, the Bible, it says, every valley will be raised, and every mountain will be brought low. If you're a mountain, you're going to be brought low. If you're a valley, that's a good place to be in because God is going to raise you up. Jesus said it this way in Luke 14, 11, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So a good way that you can be the good soil is to not exalt yourself, but humble yourself. Every day, just acknowledge how badly you need God. Every day, by your words, by your thoughts, and by your actions, acknowledge how much you need him and cry out to God for help. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Don't live your life ignoring God. When you ignore God, you're saying, I don't need you. I can handle this. When we neglect God, that's what we're saying. And so we, we have got to have good soil because this has got to be planted in us. You guys, if, if you don't read this book for yourself, I don't even know what hope there is for you. Because you cannot take my word for it or any other pastor because there is so much false teaching out there today. And, the, and Jesus said it's going to happen more and more. And listen, whatever happens tonight in the election, it's going to keep getting darker and darker. It's going to keep getting worse and worse. I mean, you don't, if you know the Bible, then you know that it says that. That in the last days, it'll be like in the days of Noah, when people were so wicked that God said, I can't even take it. I'm going to wipe them all out. Only Noah and his family are going to make it through this. And he said, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. That families will rise up against family. It's going to get dark. And I don't mean to be doom and gloom because, again, Jesus is coming back. And he is going to judge. And I'm going to stand before him. And I'm not going to be perfect, but I am going to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to be happy to see him face to face. And I, and I know where I'm going. And I want to make as big of an impact I can before that day comes. But, but until he comes, it is going to get darker and darker. Well, you have to know this word for yourself. You have to read it. And also, how many believers are 
taking the scriptures today and, and twisting them. How many believers are looking at the culture and instead of the truth impacting the culture, the culture has impacted the truth. And believers are changing what has been true for centuries and they're, they're trying to say, no, it, it, that's actually not true. No, what, no, God, that's not for right now. That, it's, God's changed his mind and here's a new way of thinking. Here's a new way of believing. There's so much false teaching out there. You have to know this word for yourself. We've got to be humble. Our hearts have to be good soil. And we've got to put away pride. That me first attitude. That, that pride that Lucifer had when he, when he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will be like the most God. I will be greater than God. I, 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 me, me, me. When we have a me first attitude, then we have a me first attitude even before God. It's not just others. It's a me first attitude. And, and God, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I hear you, but me first. And that is pride and God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And if we're humble, if we will get down on our knees and be humble before God, and God, I need you. God, without you, I am nothing. You are the vine. I'm just a branch. If I'm disconnected from you, I just become dry and withered and, and be thrown in the fire. God, I need you. Without you, I'm not going to make it. Without you, there is no future. All this stuff... Is this going to be destroyed? God, I want, I want an eternal reward. God, I repent of my sin. You know, it takes humility to repent of our sins. It means that we failed. We don't like to admit when we failed. We don't like to admit that, that we've lost. We're sore losers. We make excuses. But we need to be, get on our faces, get on our knees and cry out to God, God, I have sinned. You saw this in the, in the life of David. You know, he was so humble when he was just a young shepherd because he was nothing. He, his, his brothers were soldiers, and he was just a shepherd. He was out there with the sheep, and they didn't think, you know, he was one of the youngest sons. They didn't think he could do anything. But out there with those sheep, he's playing music before God. He's writing psalms. He's writing beautiful worship songs and hymns to God. He's becoming humble. And then when a lion and a bear come against to try to take one of the sheep, he's not confident in himself. He's confident in his God. And humility isn't just this total lack of confidence, but it's just not a confidence in ourselves. It's confidence in God. My God can handle this. My God can rescue me from the mouth of the lion, from the paw of the bear. And when Goliath, when it's time for Goliath to be fought, it wasn't about David. It wasn't about him being in the spotlight. It wasn't about him being lifted up. But it was about, hey, my God can do this. This is easy for my God. Guys, it was easy for David to kill Goliath. It was easy. Because he knew that God gave him the grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See what happens when we're humble? But fast forward a few years, and David's been the king now. 
He's experienced many, many victories, and he stops relying on God like he once did. And he starts relying on himself. At a time when the kings were supposed to be at war, David is at home. And he goes out on his rooftop, and there's a woman bathing on, on her rooftop. And he sins for her. And even though she's a married woman, he has sex with her. He gets her pregnant. And he arranges for her husband to be killed in battle. And he probably justified it because of the pride that he was in. Pride blinds us. And I'm the king. I'm in charge. It's okay for me to do this because I'm the king. And it took a prophet, Nathan, and he comes to David and he says, King, I have to tell you this story. There was a rich man and a poor man. And the rich man had many, many flocks of sheep and this poor man only had one little lamb. And a guest came and instead of the rich man making one of his sheep for dinner for his guest, he went and he took the poor man's one little lamb that he had. He took it from him. And David is angry. Surely this man will die for what he's done. David, you are the man. This is what you have done when you took Uriah's wife and you had him killed. And David said, I've sinned before God. And it finally hit him. He finally was humbled. And he went through a lot more painful process. There was a lot more consequence for his actions. And he went through a really painful process, but he was humbled. Band, I want to ask you guys to come up as we close. You know, a, a sign of humility is how well we are, how well we're, uh, we, we respond to correction. When we get called out for our sin, do we apologize? Do we repent? Or do we fight back? Do we try to justify? Do we try to make excuses? This is so important, guys. I don't know. Are you hearing what the scriptures are saying tonight? We've got to have hearts that are soft, not hard. We've got to have a soil that is simple and that is free of, of rocks and free of thorns and free of just junk. And so let me challenge you tonight, and myself included, like all of us are, are equal in the sight of God. How do, how do we respond when God calls us out? Are we teachable? Are we coachable? Because that's humility. Pride hides its weaknesses. Humility reveals them. Humility apologizes, but pride fights back. And this is what, you know, we're, we're supposed to confess our sins to one another. Not, not for forgiveness, but for accountability. It's good to confess your sins to one another, but why, why don't we do that? I don't want to look bad. Everybody else in my, in my small group has it all together, and I don't have it all together. I don't want to tell anybody what's going on in my life. I don't want to tell anybody where I'm struggling. But that's pride because you're afraid that you're going to look bad. Who cares what you look like? God cares what you are, not what you look like. He cares about your heart, not your image. And guess what? Everybody else in the small group, they don't have it all together. 
we're all fighting a battle here. We're all struggling in some way, and we all need God's help. And so I want to challenge you tonight to repent. Stop being stubborn. If you're being stubborn, that is pride. If your heart is hardened and you've been refusing to obey God, that is pride. You don't know more than him. You're not smarter than him. He has to say over and over in the Bible, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You guys don't get this. So tonight, as, as we go into this response song, I just want you guys to respond before God. And I'm going to as well. Just respond with humility and accept where God is trying to take me and to repent of the junk. Do you really want to hold on to all that junk? That's destroying you. It's not helping you. We've got to let go of that. We've got to repent. We've got to get our hearts humble before God again. So let's respond to God with humility tonight. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you showed us an example of humility. And Lord, I just humble ourselves. I humble myself before you tonight. God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. And without you, I'm nothing. And without you, I'm not going to make it. God, I repent of my sin. I repent of trying to look good in front of others and not being honest about what I'm really going through. God, I ask you to do a new thing in my heart. Do a work in my heart. And these guys here, do a new thing in their hearts. Renew their minds. And Lord, spark something tonight that's going to bring change to their lives, to their relationship with God. For I pray for everybody whose relationship with God is struggling right now. God, I thank you that tonight is their night because they can come boldly to your throne to find grace if they'll humble themselves. We humble ourselves before you.